are listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Hi. Uh, my name is Erica. I have the privilege to be on staff. I'm mostly at our Dalton campus, but I'm excited to be here with you guys today. So I was shopping yesterday, and they were playing Christmas music. So I'm just curious, how many of you guys have started playing Christmas music? Not just hearing it randomly, but actually loud and proud. There's a few of you. Okay. <laughs> so not only was I listening to Christmas music there, I noticed there's aisle after aisle after aisle of Christmas decorations. And they have pajamas for your family. They have pajamas for your dog to match your family. And then at the end of an aisle, just the smallest little section, is the Thanksgiving decorations. And they were on sale. So, you know, we're getting past Thanksgiving before it even begins. So I just was curious today um, and wondering, how many of you guys are planning to put your tree up before Thanksgiving? All right, there's no judgment, no judgment. How many of you guys, you are so diehard Christmas fanatic, but you at least honor Thanksgiving by doing it the day after? You put your tree up the day after Thanksgiving. All right. Any traditional people, like you go cut down the tree, your tree comes up right before, the, before Christmas? Yeah, there's like, there was no traditional people last service either. Oh, one. Okay. <laughs> okay, we've got a few. All right. Well, um, no judgment for me. Yesterday, my husband put strong lights on this big pine tree out front. And we put out our Christmas pillows on the front porch and a Christmas sign. And honestly, I blame Thanksgiving for not having better decorations. That's why we have to plan ahead with Christmas. <laughs> well, it's a privilege to have you guys join us today and a special welcome to those online as well. Have you ever had a time in your life where you just felt like you couldn't get a win? And you were taking loss after loss after loss and there was just no win in sight. Well, I got to join the track team in college. It was a really small college in Indiana, and I was so excited because I was homeschooled from K through 12. Shout out to the homeschoolers. Any in the room? Okay. <laughs> okay, there's a few. So shout out to the homeschoolers. Um, I was so excited because it was my first team sport experience. And uh, so I got the tour of the campus. I saw my dorm, the cafeteria. I got to see the library the massive gymnasium and weight room. And at the end of the tour, I realized I never saw the track. So I went to my coach and I said, so where's that track that we're gonna run on? And he responded with a laugh and said, what track? There's one two miles up the road at the local middle school if you really need a track to run on. And it was at that point I realized, I think I'm on a losing team. We had 30 people that were on our track team in college and we were running against other schools that had well over 300. And I began to be good at losing. Well, we all know that losing is a part of life. And sometimes we go through seasons, and maybe you're experiencing one now where you just feel like you're taking loss after loss after loss. And you're asking the question, how many losses do I have to take in order to get a win? And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today, is when you lose to win. And I invite you to go with me to 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. And feel free to use your Bible app if you'd like. We also have uh, Bibles underneath the chairs if you want to follow along. That's page 797. 
says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Well, I don't know if there's ever been a time in my life where this portion of scripture feels more relevant. Paul, who's the author of the book of Corinthians, he, he knew all about losing. And Paul has this crazy backstory. I wanted to share a little bit of it with you today. Paul was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee is a part of the Jewish religion that's known to be really strict and devout in following the laws. And they were often viewed as hypocritical or even self-righteous. And as a Pharisee, Paul was actually involved in the persecuting and killing of Christians. And one particular day, Paul was traveling to another town in hopes of arresting Christians there. And while he's on the road, he has this incredible encounter with God. He sees a bright light, and he actually hears the voice of God. And from that moment, he would never be the same. He began preaching and sharing the love of God with those around him. The very people he was trying to kill, he was now supporting. What's so interesting about the life of Paul is that he went from being the persecutor to the persecuted. The Bible records him being rested about three times, and that led to five and a half years, roughly, in prison. So Paul, he knew what it was like to experience loss. And God used Paul in amazing ways. Paul actually wrote 14 of the books of the Bible, and we just read a small portion of where he introduces us to this idea of losing to win. In verse 19, Paul opens up by sharing a real struggle that he's experiencing inside himself. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. So he says, I am free. And that's where all of us, if we're followers of Jesus, begin, that we are free. No matter our life circumstances, we have this wonderful reality that we can live in freedom. And I love how Paul says this, though I am free and belong to no one, He's making it really clear that all of his choices are not based on coercion or fear or manipulation. Paul used his freedom to make himself a slave to others. And keep in mind, this is Paul, the guy that spent roughly five and a half years in prison talking about freedom. The interesting thing we can learn about Paul is that in every circumstance, we have the freedom to make choices that match our conscience. And the kind of freedom that Paul was talking about had nothing to do with physical or religious freedom. He was talking about freedom that he found in his relationship with Jesus. And to live the life that God created us to live, we begin here, that we are free. One of the powerful things about freedom is that we are actually free to make the best choice. Often I think when we are thinking about freedom, we think about the freedom to make our worst choice. That's what we do when we're younger, right? We pull away from our parents and authority figures in our lives because we want to be free to make our own decisions. 
I remember as a kid, I would say continuously, when I get old enough, I'm going to be free to eat as much candy and ice cream as I want to. You find that that freedom works pretty well when you're in your 20s, uh, but then you hit your 30s and your 40s and your 50s, and pretty soon you realize that freedom actually goes away the older that you get. Um, so if you're a kid, just try to get as much candy and ice cream now as you can. Um, <laughs> but often we're not fighting for the right to be more. We're often fighting for our right to be less. We're not going to our parents and saying, I don't care what you say, I will live a life of integrity. I am going to tell the truth. But the kind of freedom that Paul was talking about was his freedom to be more. I wonder what would happen if we saw our freedom in Christ as the freedom to be more. Our freedom to tell the truth, no matter the outcome or consequences. Our freedom to live a life not based on other people's opinions. And then Paul goes on to say, I have made myself a slave. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. You know, when I first read this, I, my thought is, I don't like the word slave. And in fact, that's just really not a great word to use in our culture. But the point that you need to realize is that Paul lived in a time of economic and political slavery. And as a Jew, he knew what it was like for his entire, entire people group to be under the captivity and oppression of the Roman Empire. I think he uses this strong language because he wants to convey a point. He says, I've bound myself to others. I've chosen to make others more important than myself. And Paul's freedom allowed him to make a choice, to make himself a slave to everyone. I don't want to be us to be confused about this word. In the context that Paul's using it, he's not saying that he's a victim to everyone. He's not saying that he has to please everyone or make everyone happy. He said this word with intention. I have made myself a slave in order to win as many as possible. And this is where Paul fully introduces this idea of losing to win, humbling himself and letting other people be first. This all just goes against our natural reactions. Losing to win? But that's the tension in which Jesus chose to live his life. Though he was completely free, he chose to be completely bound. Though no one was more powerful than him, he chose to be powerless. And he did all of this in order to win us to himself. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death. Jesus came to earth. He gave up his status, his privilege, so that we might find life and hope in him. The end game for Jesus was to win people and as many people as possible. So what's our win? You know, as a follower of, of Jesus, this might look a little bit different than those who aren't Christ followers, but for us, the win is helping people 
grow into a connection with God. And if you are a Christ follower, you know there is nothing better than having a loving relationship with your creator. So how can we have a more important win than that? Paul says, look, I want you to understand what I'm fighting for. I'm not fighting for my personal rights or personal freedom. I am fighting for people. I've been processing this a lot lately because I like to win. I mean, can anyone else relate to that? You like to win, you're a little competitive. Not many, so nudge the person that's competitive next to you. Um, But my daughter and I, we have lots of conversations about this. Um, And my daughter, we had the privilege of adopting her from India, and we're actually in the process of adopting another little one. But the other day, we were hanging out with my sister and my niece and nephew, and Hebsey said, let's race to her cousins. Well, her cousins are older, so you can imagine how well that went. A few moments later, she comes running up to me, and she goes, how come they always get to win? I never get to win. So I tried to explain to her. I said, well, your cousins are older and bigger, so when you're a little older, you'll be fast as well. Um, And she thought for a while and thought, and then she responded, well, when baby sister comes home, I'll be the oldest, so that means I'm the biggest, and I will always win. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but, you know, sometimes we're not winning in a particular area of life, so we strategize a future where we are always going to win. Um, You know, this comes up a lot, and it's natural and normal for kids to want to win, and I always ask Hebsey the same question. I say, What's more important than winning? And she'll respond often, stomping her feet a little bit and having an attitude, but she'll say, being kind. I think it's fascinating how much easier it is for me to tell Hebsey that being kind is more important than winning and how hard it is to tell myself that when I'm in a discussion with my husband or I'm trying to make a point that I'm passionate about. But these verses, they force me to ask the question, how do I live in such a way where people could see the love of God in me and through me. Because our end game here is winning people and as many people as possible. So important for us to realize that our battle is for people, not against people. Our battle is for people, not against people. And Paul goes into a more specific dynamic of what losing to win looks like in verse 20. He says, To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law to win those not having the law. It's a lot. But everything that Paul is saying is making a statement. He says, when I'm with the Jews and I'm hanging out with them, I want to make sure there's a connection and some type of relationship. He knew that the Jews wouldn't listen to him talk about who God was and what God had done They saw him violating the laws that were important to them. Paul was working for the win. And he was willing to take losses in order to get the win that mattered. Paul's incredibly adaptive. I think he realizes that in every environment that he's in, he can adapt a little bit in order to fight for the win. He was willing to lose in order to win people to a connection with God. Have you ever noticed that as humans, we can be people of extremes? And while we may not actually verbalize it, we act in such a way that says you're either for me or you're against me. Or maybe more accurately, you're either for my opinion or you're against me. 
it's hard because we actually are living in a world of extremes and it feels like everyone has to choose a polarizing side. And there's this mentality in our culture of you're either for us or you're against us. I think the wisdom of Paul can often get lost on our time. I think everything that he's talking about sounds just like Jesus. Jesus came to earth. He died for the very people who went against his opinions, betrayed him, and ultimately took his life. And in his last breath, as he was hanging on the cross, he says, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I wonder how often the message of Jesus gets lost in all of our cultural conflicts, our opinions, and even our passions. And what would it look like for us to live in such a way that we never sacrifice the win that matters for all the little wins that pull at us every day? We're here with one singular intention, and that is to be proof of God to a world that desperately needs him. To be proof that Jesus stepped into human history 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and that he is here present everywhere, longing for every person to have a connection with him. When you become a Christ follower and when you have a connection with God, it does create a new win and a new way of seeing people. I want to read just verse 22 again, and it's one of the hardest verses for me to read. It says, To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. Now, I don't think any of us like to think of ourselves as being weak. I think we actually set our lives up to have an appearance of looking strong and avoid all appearance of weakness. I feel this most profoundly as a parent. When we adopted our daughter, I finally realized a new sense of pain and weakness in my life. Don't get me wrong, adoption has and will be the best decision that my husband and I have ever made, and Hebsey has brought us a ton of joy. But I never knew that a 24-pound little girl could hurt my feelings so much. And when she said the words like, I don't like you, I don't love you, and yes, even when she said, you're not my best friend, those words just seeped into me. And they cut deep, and I didn't want her to see all the many times that I cried because I didn't want her to view me as weak. And I've actually read these parenting books and talked to other parents, and they they say, don't let your kids know how they hurt your feelings or get under your skin because then they'll find your weak spots and start taking over. (laughs) Uh, So my natural reaction is to avoid all appearance of weakness. So maybe I'm going to respond in anger or force a time out or even say, you're not my best friend either. Um, And if you are a parent, you can relate to me on that, I think. But this passage often comes flooding into my soul that when you're fighting for the win, when you're willing to lose to win, you come to this reality that you're free, but you're also bound, and you're also egoless. I find in my own life that the worst decisions I make are fueled by my ego. The worst decisions I make are fueled by what other people will think or feel about my choices. And the best decisions I make are when I let go of my ego and I ask the question, am I fighting for the win? Am I fighting for my daughter to know the love of Jesus in her life? Am I fighting for my husband to experience the love of God through me? Am I fighting for that family member or friend that doesn't agree with any of my opinions or beliefs to know what it's like to be in a connection with God. 
am I willing to lose to win? You know, when Paul says to the weak, I become weak, I don't think that he's actually weak because I don't think someone who is weak could actually do this. It takes a strength of character and resolve and a deep connection with God inside of you that's stronger than all of the things that are pulling at you. I think there's a couple steps that we can take to work at this idea of losing to win. And the first is choose humility. One of the most challenging things in life is to lose an argument so that you can win the person. Lose an argument so that you can win the person. And most of us, we're, we're not defined by what we're for. We're actually defined by what we're against. And if we're not careful, we'll set our entire lives up where everyone can look at us and know exactly what we're against instead of knowing what we're for. And Paul says, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. There's a quote about uh, humility from a pastor named Andy Stanley, and it's been a quote that's meant a lot to me in my life. It says, race to the back of the line. There's so much intention in those words, race to the back of the line. Choose to let other people go before you and actually race to the back of the line. Lose in order to win. There's no better example of this than Jesus. He chose to make those people who are trying to kill him, betrayed him, messy people like you and me, objects of his love. What would it look like for us to race to the back of the line in our marriage, with our coworkers, with our friends, even on social media? For Jesus, the win was people. And the second way that we can work at losing to win is by choosing empathy. There are people in the world right now drowning in depression, despair, homeless, living in poverty. There's over 150 million orphans in the world without family, hope, and a future. And we have the opportunity to share the love of God with them. I recently read a book and it stated that Jesus' life shows us that the highest form of intelligence is empathy. The ability to sit in someone else's shoes and see life from their perspective, to feel the emotions that they're feeling. And losing to win is all about self-sacrifice. Seeing people and loving them where they are. Losing to win will cost you. It takes time, energy, patience, and understanding. But aren't you so glad that Jesus chose to lose in order to win us? to a relationship with him. I mean, isn't that what attracted us to him? That he loved us where we were? Not when we got our act together, not when we finally made the moral decision. Jesus loves us where we are. What mattered to people, to Jesus, was people. It mattered to him more than his beliefs, his opinions, and even morality. So what's our win? Are we trying to win people to the best life possible in Jesus? Do we have a heart of empathy and humility that says to our family, friends, and those far from God, you matter to me even more than my freedom. Though I am free 
and belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Could you just take a moment right now to close your eyes in this Maybe you're here, you have a connection with God, but you've been missing the win. Missing the win for people. Maybe you've been caught up in all the distractions and all the little wins in life, but you're missing the one that matters. I want to encourage you right now, just in this moment, to connect with God. And maybe you want to ask him to give you a heart of humility and empathy to see people the way that he sees people. Or maybe you're here and you have not stepped into a relationship with Jesus, but you're listening right now and you know that's what you need is Jesus in your life. You need his forgiveness, his hope, his love. If that's you, I want to encourage you, there's no better moment than right now to start a connection with God. And if that's you and you say, I'm, I'm ready, I'd invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's just one sentence. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, I know that's not all you and God need to talk about, but it is where it begins because when you give Jesus your life, he comes inside you, he forgives you of your sin, and he moves you into a life of hope and love. And if you just pray that prayer, I want to take a moment to pray for you. God, we know that there's nothing better in life than you and a connection with you. And if people prayed that prayer today, God, I ask that your presence would be known to them in just incredible ways and that you'd send people along into their life, God, that would help them continue to grow their connection with you. And God, for so many of us, including myself, we struggle with this win. God, <laughs> um, Give us a heart of humility and empathy for people to see them the way that you do. Not get caught up in all the little wins of life, but fight for the win that matters. People, we need your help with that, God. In your name I pray, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer and started a connection with God, we celebrate with you. And... We also have a book that we'd love to give you. It's called The Seven Basics. And it's an awesome book as you're beginning your journey of faith. And we'd love to give that to you today. You can either get it at the next step area after the service, or if you'd like to, just text the number on the screen or for those online in the comments, and we will mail that book right to you. Well, why don't you guys stand with me? My hope and my prayer is that this week we wouldn't get distracted with all the little wins that pull at us and we would fight for the win that matters. People finding a connection with God. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tbcweb.com.